You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome on into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're glad that you're joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening and you've stumbled on what is uh, the Bonfire Podcast and you're interested about this, well, we are a Bible uh, study, a Bible conversation, a Bible discussion podcast where we dive into God's Word um, uh, each episode and try to study uh, from His Word and learn what uh, He would have us to do. So um, I encourage you to stay a while, listen to what we have to say, and if you enjoy what you're hearing, we would encourage you to become a subscriber and download our content on a regular basis. Uh, we try to release uh, content um, every week to two weeks, and you'll find those uh, released on any podcast application. You can go on those and hit subscribe, and those will come directly to you. As always, we'd love to hear from our listeners and uh, to, to hear where you're listening from, potentially, and maybe see if there's a, a need that you have in terms of prayer or a question that you may have. So we encourage you always to feel free to reach out to us and start a conversation. You can do that by emailing us at bonefireministries at gmail.com. Again, that's bonefireministries at gmail.com. Well, Dad, on this episode, we're going to be uh, looking at a another book of the Bible. It's a, a, a study series, if you will, but it's just going to be one episode because mm-hmm. uh, we're going to look at a very short book of the Bible. We're going to be looking at the book of uh, Philemon. And uh, now in your Bible, I would, I would go ahead and encourage you to turn that direction. And uh, if you're not sure exactly where that book is located, uh, you'll find uh, the book of Philemon in the New Testament just after uh, Titus and right before Hebrews. So go ahead and be turning there. As we look at uh, the book of Philemon, it's actually a letter, and it's a letter from the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this letter while he was in prison in Rome. As much of the New Testament is um, comprised of of Paul's letters, perhaps this is the most personal and intimate of all of Paul's letters. In this letter, Paul is seeking to reconcile two men which had uh, he had won to faith in the Lord uh, Christ Jesus. These two men were Philemon and Onesimus. And the scripture tells us that Onesimus was a slave, and while we don't know exactly what happened, uh, obviously Onesimus had stolen something or maybe had a fallen out with his master, Philemon. And uh, being at odds with his master, Onesimus decides that he's going to run away, and he becomes a runaway slave, (coughs) and he takes off to the city of Rome. No doubt Onesimus fled to Rome to get uh, lost in the crowds. You know, being a big city there, he felt like he probably could uh, hide within the masses of people. But while in Rome, somehow Onesimus met the Apostle Paul, Paul being the sole winner that he was. And just as he had done many times before, while in chains, he shared with Onesimus the good news of Jesus Christ. And obviously Onesimus took in all that Paul had to say and ultimately repented of his sin, and he was saved. Onesimus' life was radically and gloriously transformed. Following his conversion, Paul made it clear to Onesimus that he needed to return to Philemon so that he could make things right. So with this letter in hand, the runaway slave makes his way back to the home of his master. Dad, there's so many lessons that we can see and learn uh, here from uh, this letter and the story of Philemon and, and, and Onesimus. I was just jotting down all the different lessons. There's lessons of forgiveness, lessons of reconciliation, of brotherly love uh, for our feather, uh, fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. But as I studied and I, and I looked at this, uh, this scripture text, the one thing that stood out to me most um, is the transforming power 
of Christ and, and how he can transform a life. And I think that comes through just so beautifully in uh, this, uh, this book. And more than that, we also see that in the book of Philemon, there is a, a great illustration of what Christ does for us as sinners in our own personal life. And so I hope as we discuss Philemon today that you'll see that message come through, the message that Jesus can transform lives and and see exactly what Jesus does for us in our own sinful condition. So hope you enjoy our episode today. Dad, get us started here. Tell us a little bit more about Philemon, would you? Sure, yeah. Philemon was a friend of Paul's and a fellow laborer with him. Now, we know this because in verse 1 of of Philemon, Paul describes Philemon as a beloved friend of both Timothy and himself, as well as a fellow laborer. Now, the Greek word translated fellow laborer was a term Paul used for those who walked along beside him in the cause of Christ. Now, since Paul had never visited Colossae, and we know this from what Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, their friendship developed or it had to develop during Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Now, Paul thought so much of Philemon that verse 2 tells us that Paul was able to give thanks to God when he prayed for Philemon. Now, since Paul gave Philemon no word of correction in this personal letter that he wrote to him, this suggests that nothing was really amiss in Philemon's life. Everything that Paul heard about Philemon was good. According to verse 2, Paul's letter to Philemon was also addressed to Appia and Archippus. Uh, Appia is thought to be Philemon's wife, and Archippus was most likely their son. Now, Paul describes Archippus as a fellow soldier, which shows that he was actively involved in the ministry. Now, Paul mentioned Archippus in his letter to the Colossians, which was a companion letter to Paul's letter to Philemon. Now, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul said, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received from the Lord, that you may fill it. Now, since these words were written to the entire church at Colossae, it seems that Archippus may have been the elder who took the place of Epaphras, who had gone to Rome to see Paul, taking uh, some news to Paul about some things that he needed help with pertaining to false doctrine that had come into the church at Colossae. Now, if uh, Apia was Philemon's wife and Archippus his son, then Philemon had a godly family, and his faith was shared by his family. Now, Philemon not only was a loved friend of Paul's and a fellow worker with Paul in ministry, the Bible also tells us that the church there in Colossae met in his house. In verse 2, in Paul's opening acknowledgments, he said, the church in your house. Now, during Paul's day, churches often met in people's homes, and such was the case of the church at Colossae. Now, since Philemon's home was large enough for the church to meet in. And since Philemon owned a slave, of which Matt mentioned, you know, Onesimus, this suggests that Philemon was a wealthy man. Now, Philemon may have been on a business trip to Ephesus when Paul was serving as the missionary pastor there when he met Paul and came to know Christ. We don't know exactly the circumstances. Paul 
may have personally led Philemon to Christ because in verse 19, Paul mentioned to Philemon, uh, you owe me your very life. Now, Philemon was a dedicated Christian man who was a personal friend of Paul's. He was loved by Paul and a fellow worker. And as we note in the scripture, he was noted for his love and faith, which he had for the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all the saints. In other words, the Christians, those that worshiped with him. Now, in verse 5, uh, Paul says, Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Now, Dr. John MacArthur, in his commentary on Philemon, wrote, This exhibits a chiastic construction in the Greek text. Now, the first part of this verse, love, goes with the last phrase, toward all the saints. So Philemon was noted specifically for his faith toward God and his love for the saints. Now, in regard to his faith, Philemon had unwavering faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a genuine believer, he was concerned about the Lord, and he had a desire to please the Lord. According to verse 6, Paul said that he shared his faith. Philemon was a faithful witness. He was a soul winner. Besides being noted for his faith toward God, according to Paul, he was noted for his love for the saints. Now, the Greek word used for love that is used here is agape, which refers to God's kind of love, which is a sacrificial love, a love that puts others before you put yourself. It's a giving love. It was no wonder that he could exhibit this kind of love because God lived in him. Now, concerning the Christian, the apostle Paul said in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The source of Philemon's love for the saints was the indwelling Holy Spirit. Love is, is the fruit of the Spirit and a manifestation of genuine saving faith. Now, Paul said in verse 7 concerning Philemon, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. When people thought of Philemon, they thought of a man that loved you. He was a source of blessing like an oasis in the middle of a desert. He was refreshing to God's people. Now, here's a question for you out there in podcast land. What do people in your church say about you? Or what do people say about you, period? Are you known as a source of blessing at your church or a source of blessing at your work? Or are you known as a grump? When people see you coming, do they wait to greet you or do they run? Philemon was a refreshing saint. James Moore tells about a man named George. George was a peacemaker with a big heart and a wonderful sense of humor. Everyone loved George at church, and he was respected at the hospital where he worked. The reason why so many people loved George was because he was always kind and respectful to everyone he met. George's children clearly remember the days George spent in the hospital as a patient before his death. The administrator of the hospital paid him a visit. They spoke as though they were old friends. 
A few minutes later, one of the janitors came to visit George. They too had a nice visit. When the janitor left, one of George's children said to him, Dad, did you realize that you treated the president of the hospital and the janitor just alike? George smiled, chuckled, and then said, Well, let me ask you something. If the administrator left for two weeks and the janitor left for two weeks, which one do you think would be missed the most? (laughs) Then George called his children around his bed. Let me show you something I carry in my pocket all the time, he told them, even when I mow the lawn. George pulled out a pocket-sized cross and a marble with the golden rule on it. George said on the cross are written these words, God loves you. And on the marble are these words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The cross reminds me of how deeply God loves me. And the marble reminds me of how deeply God wants me to love others. You know, Matt, it is interesting that the name Philemon means affectionate or one who is kind. He lived up to his name. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, uh, Dad, thank you for that overview of who Philemon is. Uh, I want us to now look over at Onesimus, and let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, we, we read about Onesimus uh, first in verses 10 and 11, so let's take a look at that. Looking at verse 10, it says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Now, I've already given you kind of the broad overview of, of who Onesimus is. You know, he's a runaway slave. But there's two things that I want you to, to see about Onesimus now. First, I want us to look at his reputation before Christ. Paul in verses 11 refers to Onesimus as being unprofitable. Now, there's a play on words that is happening here that's not really apparent in our English text. But the name Onesimus actually means useful or profitable. So in verse 11, Paul says that this Onesimus, the one whose name is profitable, was actually unprofitable. You know, in the Bible, Dad, Bible names and and names in general uh, had a lot of meaning. People gave names to their children for reasons uh, in the Bible days. Um, I've noticed that that trend seems to have gone away in modern times. Uh, There are some crazy names that are given to people uh, these days. Uh, But oftentimes during these Bible days, parents would give their children a name that would express great desire or hope or their aspiration of what they hoped their child would become, something great, something wonderful. So at some point, some hopeful parents had named their son Onesimus, profitable. Yet uh, to this point in Onesimus' life, he had not lived up to his name. He was unprofitable. And the word unprofitable means producing no gain, no good, no result. If we were to write this letter today in our more casual language, we might use the words useless or worthless. Mm-hmm. Onesimus had a reputation of being worthless. Not only was he unprofitable, uh, but we learn in verse 15 that Onesimus was a slave and a runaway slave at that. Do you see the imagery of the condition of us as sinners that we can find here in Onesimus? Onesimus was unprofitable useless. The Bible says in Romans 3 that sinners altogether become unprofitable. Our sin makes us useless. Onesimus was a slave. Jesus said, whoever committeth a sin is a slave to sin. There may be some of you listening today that are spiritually in chains. Yeah, you're physically free, but your soul and in your spirit, 
you're in chains. You're in the bonds of, uh, of sin. You were shackled to the habits of sin. Onesimus was a runaway, and as sinners, we try to run away from our problems. We try to get away from it under our own strength, and in many times, as sinners, we're running away from God. Mm-hmm. So I see all kinds of parallels here between Onesimus and that of a sinner. Onesimus certainly had a reputation, and many of you may actually uh, align with Onesimus after hearing this, but I want you to listen to his restoration. You see, somehow in the providence of God, Onesimus came in contact with the Apostle Paul. Paul says in verse 10, My son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my chains. Now what he's saying here is that he led Onesimus to Christ while he was in prison. Oh, the wonderful grace of God that takes a sinner, sinner just as we are, and puts us in contact with someone, a soul winner, who can bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. But I do have a question. I wonder how many of you listened today. If if you had came in contact with Onesimus, would you have won him to Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, Dad, I had the interesting uh, opportunity this week. I spoke to two men within 24 hours, two completely separate conversations, and they both said the same thing to me. They both said that they love God, they they uh, worship Him in spirit and truth, but they don't want to share the faith because they don't want to offend someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me in both of those situations and said, man, this is the problem here. You know, I wonder what would have happened if Onesimus had come to, to Paul there in prison and Paul had said, well, I don't want to offend him. Right. You know, and he wouldn't have shared the gospel with him. What would happen to Onesimus? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to encourage all of you out there who are listening that, uh, we, as as modern-day Christians, have somehow gotten pushed into this corner that the gospel is going to offend someone. That's right. And that's that's not the case. The gospel, it means good news. It's it's good news. Mm-hmm. And definitely the way that we approach it should be one of in a, in a loving manner. We shouldn't go, as I like to say, guns blazing into a conversation. But if you go into a conversation and telling people what God's done for you and that he can do the same for them— mm-hmm. If someone gets offended with that, I find it hard to believe, but so be it. Right. You know, the, the, the benefit of them knowing what Jesus can do is much better. So I would encourage you, friends, know that there are omissimus all around us. Uh, you know, Matt, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of the fact that before there's a harvest, before someone comes to know Christ, there first of all must be the planting of a seed and cultivation. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that Philemon planted the seed of the gospel in the life of Onesimus because, of course, the church met in Philemon's home. And Philemon was a man that was kind and affectionate. Now, we don't know why Onesimus uh, ran away. Uh, I don't think he ran away because Philemon was a hard master to him or anything like that. You know, a man that's a slave wants to be free. Yeah. It doesn't matter who his master is. He that's wants right. to be able to make his own choices in life. So Onesimus obviously one day saw the opportunity to escape and to achieve that freedom that was in his heart that he wanted. And, you know, to make his way to Rome and to support himself, I mean, more than likely he probably stole something from Philemon. But Onesimus, I'm sure, felt bad about it. I believe the Holy Spirit was working in the life of Onesimus, and I don't know if he got in trouble or not and ended up in jail or, or uh, passed by Paul, you know, in a, 
in a Senate scene or something like yeah. that, or or as the shifting of the prisoners. But it's, it's but, interesting to think about how he came in contact because the Bible doesn't tell us. And that's right. So you know you can come up with the idea of okay, here's this slave that potentially stole something from his master. Now he goes to Rome. Does he steal more things and land in jail or? Did he happen to just be cleaning, you know, the jail as a way to make money and happens to run into Paul? I don't know. It's an interesting to think how that happened and how put God put the pieces together so that Onesimus was coming into contact with Paul. That's right. And, you know, too, he might have gotten to Rome uh, feeling guilty about what he did. And and the, the hand of God was upon him, working on him, convincing him of his sin and his need for Jesus. And he thought, where can I go? I've heard the Apostle Paul's in prison here. You know, he might have paid him may, a visit. Yeah, may have searched him out. Yeah. That's I right. mean, it's interesting. One day when we get to heaven, we'll find out the, the rest of the stories Paul Harvey used to say. But but anyway, I think that when Onesimus came to see Paul, God was already working. And, and Paul, being that faithful witness that he was, shared the gospel, and Onesimus gave his life to Jesus. I, I found many times, Matt, that when the Lord has privileged me to be able to lead someone to saving faith in Jesus Christ, God was already working in that person's life, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, Philemon, in, in my opinion, he probably had a great hand in Onesimus becoming a Christian. Yeah. And uh, and Paul just, just finished transaction. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's we never know the people that we interact with the seeds that have maybe already been planted and and they're just waiting for someone to kind of cultivate them along. Mm-hmm. And if we take this opinion of, hey, I don't want to share my faith because I don't want to offend someone, I just wonder how many how many people are, are missing out on hearing the gospel because of that, that model. They could be primed and ready. You uh-huh. could be the one that just shares a testimony, and that's the one that God uses to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. And so I just encourage all of our listeners to to think about it. There are Onesimuses running around all around us. There are people wow. running from things. They're runaways. They're slaves to sin. They're, they're, and, and to be honest, they're looking for answers, mm-hmm. and we have the best answer that there could possibly be, and that's Jesus. And, that's right. And so I would just encourage you to be bold, to be courageous, to be faithful like Paul was. You know, Paul was in prison. He, he was in uh, what what we believe to be more probably like a house arrest type situation. He was in chains, but they had to keep changing the guards because Paul just sit there and witness to him all day long. And uh, we need to be we need to be like that. We need to be sharing our faith and telling people about Jesus because uh, he is he is powerful and he can change a life. And that's what we see happen here in the life of Onesimus. You know, ultimately. Onesimus came to know uh, Christ through the witness of the Apostle Paul. And I want you to look at the uh, the transformation and the restoration that happened in Onesimus. Uh, Paul says in verse 11 that the one who was unprofitable in the past was now profitable uh, to Philemon and himself. And so he, he went from being useless, being not worth anything, uh, producing no good, no profit, as I, as I told you the definition. Well, now he's done a complete uh, 180, and he is now in a profitable manner. He has been transformed, and that's the transforming power of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus takes your life when he saves you, and he makes something of it. And he can make something out of absolutely nothing, and he can uh, just just transform it. Jesus gives you a reason to live. Jesus transforms your life as it is. He takes what can be the dull doldry that life often is, and he turns it into an exciting, thrilling opportunity of usefulness and service to him. 
on that day, Onesimus actually gained his freedom, his freedom from sin. He was no longer a slave, but free in Christ Jesus. Oh, what a restoration Jesus did in the life of Onesimus. And so I just encourage you uh, to listen to this story of, of what Jesus did in Onesimus' life, because he can do it in your life as well. Dad, tell us more about what Paul wrote in this letter. Well, uh, Paul had a course of action that he felt like that if Onesimus and Philemon would take, could get things set right. Now, Onesimus gave his life to Jesus. He was a Christian, and he knew he had an obligation to Philemon, for he was a slave to Philemon. Mm -hmm. And also he had an obligation to, to pay back uh, what he had stolen, but how could he? I mean, he was a slave. Yeah. And so, obviously, Paul and Onesimus talked about the fact, now, you need to go back to Philemon. Onesimus was probably afraid and intimidated because, you know, uh, I, don't, I, I think he knew the character of Philemon, but yet, even though Philemon was an affectionate man and one who was kind, uh, what would people think if Philemon was to receive him back without punishing him for what he did. Yeah. What would that say to the other slaves? Uh, that, that might say, hey, let's all go through the motions and say we're Christians and so that we can be forgiven. And, uh, you know, yeah. so so this was a real dilemma that that Paul faced, how this could be solved so that things could be right. But God gave Paul wisdom. You know, the Bible says if we lack understanding, all we've got to do is ask of God, and he will give us the understanding we need. That's what the Bible teaches, right. you know. He'll give us the knowledge we need, and obviously he certainly did for Paul. So I want to consider just for a few moments Paul and his plea to Philemon. Now, in verses 17 through 25, Paul concluded his letter to Philemon by recommending a course of action that Philemon should follow in regard to how his runaway slave Onesimus uh, could come back and, and come back to the home. Now, here we see that Paul's attitude and his actions really reflected that of Jesus Christ. That's right. Now, there are two beautiful doctrines illustrated in Paul's recommended course of action concerning the situation that Philemon, as a slave owner, found himself in. They are the doctrines of reconciliation, which could be seen in verse 17, and imputation that can be seen in verse 18. Now, the first is the doctrine of reconciliation. Listen to verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. So this is what Paul is telling Philemon. If you count me as a partner, you know, like we're up like in, uh, in a business agreement here, receive Onesimus, as you would me, in other words, receive me. Uh, did you notice the word receive? Paul asked Philemon, not just here, but really in two other places in verses 12 and 15, to receive Onesimus. And here in verse 17, he asked Philemon that when he sends Onesimus back to Colossae, now as his personal representative, to receive Onesimus as he would receive him. Now, Think about what Paul is asking Philemon to do. Philemon and Onesimus, at the time Paul writes this letter, uh, they had not really been getting along, especially on Onesimus's part, to escape and run away and steal something. Onesimus is Philemon's slave, and like I said, he ran away from his obligation 
He's even stolen something from Philemon. Now, Paul asked Philemon to receive Onesimus back and to receive Onesimus the way that he would receive uh, Paul if he, if he visited Colossae. Now, what Paul is doing here is working toward their reconciliation. He's working toward it. To understand what reconciliation means, imagine two friends have a fight. <clears throat> the good relationship they once enjoyed is strained to the breaking point. They cease speaking to one another. <clears throat> Communication is, is awkward. Such estrangement can only be reversed by reconciliation. Now, to be reconciled is to be restored to friendship or harmony. When old friends resolve their differences and restore their relationship, reconciliation can then be said to have occurred. Paul very much wants Philemon and Onesimus to be reconciled to one another. And like I said, in his recommendation to Philemon, he is working it, making it possible that the two that were at odds with one another be reconciled. Now, for them to be reconciled calls for two things, acceptance and access. As Onesimus needed both acceptance by Philemon and access to him so that the two could be reconciled. Likewise, the sinner who is estranged from God needs God's acceptance and access to God. By acting as our intermediary, Jesus made both of these things, our acceptance and access, possible. He made it possible for the sinner. Now, first, Jesus, let's think about us and, and God and our estrangement. First, Jesus made our acceptance possible. As sinners, we are unworthy of being in God's family. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, 6, that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are accepted. Paul writes in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Now note, we're not accepted by God on the basis of our merits. Paul says we are accepted in the beloved. That's Jesus. As Christ acted as the sinner's intermediary so that the sinner might be accepted by God, Paul acted as the intermediary between Onesimus and Philemon so that reconciliation between the two could be possible. Paul also served as an intermediary to make access possible for Onesimus to Philemon. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also, meaning by Jesus, we have access, meaning to God. What Paul did is an example of what Christ did for us. Now, the Greek word for access is the picture of a man whose job it was to introduce guests to the king. It was his job to lead people into the presence of the king. The Bible says, in Jesus Christ, we have access. We have access to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. During the Civil War, there was a rebel soldier who was seeking an audience with Abraham Lincoln, and he couldn't get to him. He did everything he knew to do, and he could just never get through to the president. Well, one day, as the president was visiting among the troops, this captive rebel soldier ran across Tad Lincoln, the little son of the president. He told little Tad his plight. The president's little boy, Tad, took the captured rebel soldier by the hand, 
walked him right past the soldiers, walked him right past the guards, walked him right into the tent of the president. He had access. Now, dear friend, it is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have access to the Heavenly Father. When you reach out your hand to Him, to Christ, in faith and repentance, He takes you by the hand and brings you right into the presence of God. And when He does, we are received by the Heavenly Father just as the Heavenly Father receives the Son. Now, that's reconciliation, being brought back together. Paul said in Philemon, in verse 17, Receive him as you would me. I imagine when Philemon read these words, he told his wife, Appia, get the guest room ready. I can't put, talking about Onesimus, I can't put him back into the slave quarters anymore. I've got to receive him as I would Paul. Do you see what God does for us? Jerry Vines, a preacher, he said, he takes us out of the pig pen and puts us in the penthouse. <laughs> well, the first doctrine we see illustrated by Paul in his recommended course of action for Philemon in regard to Onesimus is the doctrine of reconciliation. And the second is the doctrine of imputation. In addition to receive him as myself, Paul said in verse 18, he said, put that to my account. In other words, whatever he stole from you, put that on my account. The apostle Paul did not suggest that Philemon ignore the slave's crimes and forget the debt that Onesimus owed him. Rather, Paul offered to pay the debt himself. The language sounds like the legal promissory note of the time. Paul was given assurance to his friend Philemon that the debt would be paid, the debt that Onesimus owed. Like Onesimus owed a debt to Philemon, we as sinners owe a great debt to God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. God in His holiness could not ignore the debt we owe. For God must be faithful to His own law. So God paid the debt for us. This is called the doctrine of imputation. To impute means to put it on account. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, my sins were put on His account. And He was treated the way I should be treated. When I trusted Jesus as my Savior... His righteousness was put to my account, and now God accepts me in Jesus Christ. That's excellent, Dad. What I love about this book is uh, we don't actually know how the story ends. Um, it doesn't tell us here in the Scripture exactly what happens, but as we look at uh, what's believed and we look at some secular history, um, it's believed that Onesimus returned to Philemon, and uh, Philemon read Paul's letter and granted the former slave his freedom and sent him back to work and partner with Paul. You could tell that Paul kind of hinted to that uh, is, is his hope that that would recur right. uh, in the letter that he wrote there. But secular history suggests uh, it as well. Some 50 years after the letter to Philemon was written, Ignatius drafted a letter to the church of Ephesus in which he mentioned a bishop by the name of Onesimus who was profitable in Christ. That's the same words that Paul used in verses 11. So apparently by the grace of God, Onesimus, the runaway slave, 
became the bishop of Ephesus or the pastor of Ephesus. And so, Dad, I, I love that. I hope that's the way the story indeed did yeah. end, mm-hmm. is because it, it it confirms there the power, the transforming power of Jesus Christ to work in a sinner's life and to bring him from something that's worthless, useless, no profit at all, and turn them into something that's profitable and took this runaway slave from being a runaway slave uh, to a pastor. And Dad, I love the, the beauty that we saw there of what Jesus uh, does for us. One other thing that I saw as I was looking here, Dad, in verse uh, 15 and 16, Paul is saying that he should receive him, uh, that being Onesimus, as no longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Right. And, you know, that's what Jesus uh, actually does for us as well. As you talked about, Dad, when he went to the cross and he, uh, with his arms stretched out wide and bled and died for our sins, he said, put that on my account, meaning put the sins on, on his account. All of our sins, those uh, in the past and those in the future, were put on Jesus at that moment in time. He took that punishment and that penalty for our sins. And because of that, uh, we are no longer slaves to sin, and we're part of the family. We're, we're accepted as family into God's family right. when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I would encourage our listeners today, if you have not made a decision uh, to put Jesus, uh, to put your faith and trust in Jesus uh, and accept his gift of forgiveness, I would encourage you to do that today. It's the most important decision that you can make, and there's no better time to make it than today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so if you're listening here and you haven't made that decision, I would encourage you uh, to make that decision right now. You may say, well, how do I make that decision? Well, there's no magic one, two, three uh, process that I can give you or, or or prayer that I can pray with you. It, it's more about what you believe in your heart and that you're putting your faith and your trust in what Jesus did on the cross and that you're asking for forgiveness for your sins. But you don't only ask and say, I'm sorry, but you turn from those sins and you go and you live a new direction and a different direction, living for God and living to serve Him going forward. And so you can do that wherever you are. You may be driving in a car down an interstate. You may be sitting in your house on your in your on your couch in your living room. You may be in an office building somewhere, uh, but you can get uh, in a quiet place and you can just go to prayer in God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need your help. Uh, forgive me for where I failed you. I, I believe in what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. And I tell you right then, you'll be freed from the slavery of sin. You'll be a free man. You'll be like Onesimus. You'll be a changed person. Uh, your life will be transformed. So I'd encourage you to do that today. And if you do that and you make that decision, I'd love for you to send us an email. And you can send that email to bonefireministries at gmail.com. We don't want anything from you. Uh, we ain't gonna, we're not going to steal your information or anything like that. We just want to know that you made that decision. And we want to be praying and we want to be celebrating with you for making, again, what I believe is the most important important decision that someone can ever make in their life. Dad, pray us out of here, please. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you know we love you, and we're glad you love us. And we pray, our Heavenly Father, that those that are listening today that are estranged from you, that are separated from you due to their sin, that they would come back to you. And Lord, I pray thanking you that if they come to you in faith in what Jesus did on their behalf on the cross when he paid the penalty for their sins and died and rose again, I thank you, Lord, that you will put their sins to the account of Christ and 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 it will be stamped, paid in full. I pray, Lord, that uh, those that have come to you today 
and ask for your forgiveness would then in turn receive you into their life and repent of their sin out of gratitude for what you did start living for you and obeying you for the rest of their life and then lord guide and direct them that have made a decision uh, to a, a church where the bible is preached and where jesus is lifted up and glorified that they might grow in their faith in jesus and lord give them that sense when they found that right church and we ask all this in jesus name Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.